Anybody thankful for what God's done in your life this year? Come on, give it up. Amen. You know, there is a certain irony. This, this is probably the one holiday uh, in American culture these days that everybody agrees with. I mean, it's, there's so much controversy and so much division, it seems, on so many of the holidays. This is the one where everybody across the nation is going to come together uh, to give thanks, but God's going to be very little in the equation. Am I right? I'm just, we're going to travel, we're going to prepare, we're going to cook, we're going to eat, we're going to watch football, we're going to eat, we're going to uh, visit with family, we're going to eat, then we're going to go on a trip to Fancoma, and, uh, <coughs> and, and, and all God's going to get in the midst of all of that is a tiny little prayer before we stuff our faces. Hello? Good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat, let's go. So in the few minutes I've got with you this morning, I'm going to go keep you along because I know some of you are on the road already this afternoon. Some of you already started your Thanksgiving trips. You're watching online. So glad that you're with us today. I want to take just a few minutes and give you some practical ways that you can make sure God is at the center of your Thanksgiving this year. Uh, but before I do that, I want to remind you why we should do that. I just want to give you a little motivation as to why we should be so thankful to our God. The video introduced a lot of them. I want to unpack them biblically for you and then we're just I'm going to give you four quick practical ways to make God at the center of your thanksgiving so let's just jump into it we need to start simply by recognizing that everything comes from God every blessing we have comes from God anybody here in agreement with me on that one nothing in your life that you have did not include God even your very life itself, God's at the center of it all. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for, what's the word? Everything, where? In heaven and earth is yours. You are exalted as head over all. So it all starts with God, flows from God, ends up with God. So if we're serious at all about putting God in our thanksgiving this year, that's where we got to start. We got to start by thanking him for everything. But let me give you four specific reasons why we should give thanks, four areas perhaps uh, to give him thanks. But let me throw this in for free, okay? You don't have to put any extra in the offering for this one. This is a freebie. It looks good in the movies and on Hallmark, uh, Rockwell pictures, um, but don't wait till you're at the table and the gravy is steaming and the turkey looks delicious to say, okay, guys, let's go around the table and everybody say something you're thankful for. Somebody might start throwing hot mashed potatoes at you if you do. Find a time between now and then to do that or after if you must. But fit this in somehow this week as we give thanks to our God for our lives. Four things. First of all, simply, is we need to thank God for our undeserved gift. We need to thank God for an undeserved gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, you have been saved by grace through believing. You did not save yourselves. It was a gift from God. I realize we come from lots of different backgrounds here, people watching from all over the world. Maybe you don't use that word saved in your religious traditions or your backgrounds. It just simply means from the Greek sode, it means to be rescued from danger. It means to be rescued from destruction. So simply put, Jesus Christ came to save us from the destruction of our own sinfulness. He came to save us from the dangers that we inherit because of our own selfishness. 
And we don't, he didn't do it because we earned it. He did it out of an absolutely free gift to us. Free to us, not free to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now, what I want you to understand is that we do often apply that verse. If you've been in church, if you've been a Christian very long, you probably know that passage. We, we, we quote that one a lot. Every pastor I know quotes that one a lot. It's a favorite. But we often, perhaps typically, apply that to our eternity, and well, we should. But you ought to be applying that, especially this week, to your every day. Because God doesn't just graciously give us the gift of eternal life. He gives us the gift of a fulfilling life now. Psalm 103 lists a few of them. I thought we'd just rehearse a couple as we're thinking about why we should put God at the center of our thanksgiving. Look at verse 2 from Psalm 103. I will bless the Lord and not forget the glorious things he does for me. Verse 3. He forgives all my sins. Anybody thankful for that? I got a few amens in the house. He heals me. Anybody thankful for that? Can I pause right there for a second? Just something that washed through my spirit this morning. Maybe it's personal, but, but maybe it'll, it'll touch somebody. I, I hope it will. We think about healing, and we love those moments when there's a crisis. There's a medical crisis. The doctor uses the, the C word, or there's a heart attack or something, and we just pray and pray and pray that God will show up, and he does, and healing takes place, and we celebrate that. Anybody, anybody ever seen that happen? Sure you have. I've seen it happen. You've seen it happen. God heals. But can, can I tell you another side of healing that we sometimes completely neglect? And that's simply the fact that we woke up this morning breathing. When we probably didn't deserve to. We probably made some choices along the way that should have ended up in our death, but it didn't. On, on my own personal side, forgive me, but... But my dad died at 41. My eldest, our eldest son died at 40. I got some survivor guilt for having you know, made it through that. But somehow I see that as God's healing in my life for some purpose, some meaning. It's one of the reasons I'm driven, even at my age, to keep doing everything I can do for the kingdom of God. Because of his healing in my life. I've never had a cancer scare, or a heart attack scare, any of that kind of stuff. But God has preserved my life. Anybody here thankful for that preservation in your life? That's God's healing at work. He ransoms me from hell. That's worth being thankful for. Go on with verse 4 and 5. He surrounds me with loving kindness and tender mercies. That's actually one word in the Hebrew. It's the word chesed. And, uh, and we don't even have anything in English that comes close, which is why you often see it translated, loving kindness, tender mercies, those kind of things. And it's, but it's a character trait of God that he is this chesed God, this God who is tender and loving and kind and merciful. He is all those things wrapped into that one word. Anybody thankful for his kindness to you? He fills my life with good things. Skip down to verse 10, one we shouldn't overlook for sure. He has not punished us, what does it say? As we deserve for all our sins. Frankly, guys, i got to move on, but if your heart doesn't explode with gratitude at the thought of those blessings of God in your life, you may not remember how bad your life was before you came to Jesus or how bad it would be right now if you hadn't. I can summarize it in a word. It's the word hopeless. You had no meaning. You had no purpose. Your life was filled with guilt and fear and bitterness and worry and regrets. And you had no hope of ever coming out of any of it. But God showed up. 
because God came into the scene, that stuff beginning began to melt away. That's God's undeserved gift to you. He said, I love you. I want to rescue you. I will save you from your own sinfulness. If you don't do anything else this week, thank God for that undeserved grace. Amen. Second thing that came to my mind is, is thanking God for this fulfilling promise, for a fulfilling purpose, sense of purpose. You were made for a purpose. God put you on this planet with a purpose. He has a plan for your life, and it's a plan to, ful- to give you fulfillment. He said, I came that you might have life and that life in all its fullness. Quite frankly, even if your parents didn't plan you, God did. Regardless of the circumstances of your birth, God has a plan for your life, and it's a plan to bring fulfillment into your life. Look at what God says about his plan for all of us, Jeremiah 29, 11. I have good plans for you, says the Lord. I don't plan to hurt you. I plan to give you hope and a good future. Is that something we ought to thank God for? I do. I mean, again, forgive me if I get too personal this morning, but I've been reflecting a lot about Thanksgiving as I prepared to share with you this morning, and I had a plan for my life. Some of you know what my plan was in high school. I, I was going to be a rock star. I mean, I was convinced. I was, gonna, I was going all the way. I mean, we had a band and a lot of talent in that band. I was the lead singer, probably the weakest link in the bunch, but, but we had some real talented musicians in the band, and I was going to be a rock star. It may surprise some of you, but first song I ever sang in public was not uh, Is He Worthy that I sang last week. It was In a God of Vida by Iron Butterfly. <laughs> in fact, the first big gig that we did was the senior dance at our church, and, and the church that we were a part of was in revival that week, and, and so we had the big gig on Friday night, biggest gig of our career so far, and and every night my mom said, you're going to revival tonight. Oh, mom, we're rehearsing. Friday's the big gig. And so every night that week I put her off, put her off, put her off. We had the big gig Friday night, stayed out way too late, did stuff I had no business doing. And Saturday morning she came into my room and uh, woke me up and said, you're going to church tonight. She didn't ask me if I was going. She said, you're going to church tonight. And I said, oh, mom, it's been a tiring week, you know, a lot of stuff. I didn't get much sleep last night. She said, I don't care. Take a nap. Do what you got to do. But you're going to church tonight. I said, well, I got a date. She said, well, bring it, bring her or cancel it. You're going to church tonight. I cancel it. No way I'm taking a girl to church. Are you kidding me? Take her. No, not going to happen. Uh-uh, I'm a rock star. That's not what rock stars do, you know. I went to church that night and I sat through the service. I have no idea the songs they sang. Don't mean to, to belittle music because it's a powerful part of my life now. But at the time, I didn't care about that stuff. I don't remember a word the preacher said. Not that I care, don't care about preaching. Obviously, that's a big part of my life now. But at the point, I didn't care until the end of the service when the pastor invited anybody who wanted to have Jesus in his life to come forward and pray around the altars. And, and I felt God tugging at my heart. And I sat on the back row saying, well, if I just ignore it, it'll go away. Until Holland Hughes, an elderly gentleman in the church, came back to where I was. And he said, Jim, I'm not sure why, but I think God wants me to come invite you to come to the altar this morning. And I said, or this evening. And I said, well, thanks, but I'm not going. He said, okay, well, just trying to obey the Lord. And so he went back to 
what he was doing. After a while, I thought, well, I'll just go over there and sit with a group of teenagers over here. I'll get in the middle of that group of teenagers and nobody else will come and talk to me. I'll be safe over there. So I get into this cluster of teenagers and lo and behold, uh, two of my best friends who had recently come to Christ within weeks of that date had come to Christ and they were in the altar praying and, and one of them leaned over to the other and said, I think we're supposed to go talk to Jim but I don't know what to say. And the other one said, well, I don't know what to say either, but okay, let's go. And they did, and I don't know what they said, but they sat down on the road behind me and put their hand on my shoulder, and I knew it was time for to give my life to Jesus Christ, and I rash, r- rushed to the altar, gave my life to him that night. I had a plan for my life, and all of this stuff interrupted that plan. I look back on it now and I realize that my plan would have landed me in the gutter. This is in the 70s when when drugs and all that junk was so prevalent in the culture. Now that it's not now, but in those days, that was kind of the, that was the road if you were in music, secular music. That's where I no doubt would have landed. I gave my life to Jesus. All my mistakes, all my failures, all my plans, all my hopes, for the future and he gave me this new plan the one that he designed from the beginning and I'll be telling you without any embarrassment whatsoever he's taken me all over the world given me a fulfilling life that I never dreamed I could have simply because I let go of my plans and embraced his plan he has this amazing plan for your life if you're resisting it or afraid of it it's outside your comfort zone or you don't understand it please stop resisting his plan is amazing he came to give you a fulfilling life and if you reflect over your life and you see how he has I call it his genius he has given you freedom of choice but somehow he superintended your choices so that you've accomplished what he put you on the planet to do and fulfillment is coming to your life because you're doing something that he gifted and gave you opportunities to do then give him thanks for that he's the one that did those things and I'm not saying there aren't any disappointments in life of course there are but he even weaves that into a pattern for good he even works that into the plan to help us become everything we can be my goal for many 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 years was to be like King David not in his failures of course but He was called a man after God's own heart. And I think this is the reason why Acts 13, 36, after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died. I say, what a way to go. Fulfill God's plan, get all the benefits and fulfillment and satisfaction out of fulfilling God's plan for your life and then stand before him and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant you've been faithful in a few things I'll make you ruler over many things anybody thankful that God has a plan for fulfillment in your life third reason we ought to give thanks to God this week is because of eternal hope yeah, eternity is in the equation, no doubt. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1, we know that our body, the tent we live in here on earth, will be destroyed. But when that happens, God will have a house for us. It will not be a house made by human hands. Instead, it will be a home in heaven that will last forever. The Bible says that we're created in God's image like him. He is eternal, therefore we are eternal. This may come as a surprise to you, but human beings were created to live forever. 
not, not this body. This body's going back to the dust of the earth. This is just the shell that I live in right now. That's just the shell that you live in. And let me throw a little note in for some of you, some of you that have real body image struggles. Hear me. That's just the shell you live in. That's not who you are. Be healthy by all means. Take care of your health. But don't define yourself by how you look by some standard that culture has said this is how you're supposed to look. Yeah, this body's going back to the dust of the earth. But if you give your life to Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. But if you give your life to Jesus, you can live with a confidence that when the time comes, you're going to be with him in eternity. He's prepared this place called heaven just for you and for me and for others that have come. And for anybody who will, whosoever will, may come. And, and you can live in the confidence of that because of your commitment to him. But hear me, guys, I'm not, I'm not trying to be morbid this morning. I'm not trying to, to talk about death. Hey, you guys, let's all go to lunch and talk about death today. Huh, let's see, I've got these things I've got to do. I don't really want to talk about death. I'm not talking about morbid stuff. I'm talking about once you have settled what happens after this, that's when you can finally live. As long as you're wondering what's next, there's next, there's always that nagging thing in your heart. But once you've settled it, life takes on more meaning on any given day. I know that God gave me the gift of grace. I know that he's given me a fulfilling life. And I know there's a home prepared for me when that day comes. So i got to ask, and I'll move on. Are you ready to die? I mean, don't get crazy. I'm not talking about right now. I'm not trying, not trying to get up a load. I didn't bring Kool-Aid for you to drink. I'm just, this is not weird, you know. But have you settled this issue? If you haven't settled it, if you haven't given Jesus Christ your life, I beg you, don't leave this room until you do. Don't turn your TV off or your computer off until you do. Settle this thing today because that's when you really begin to live. Guys, the death rate these days, I'm told, is one per person. Everybody's terminal. It's not if, it's when. It's crazy not to prepare for that day. So what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? For me, as I reflect on it, I'm thankful for the undeserved gift of grace. I'm thankful for his fulfilling purpose in my life. And I'm thankful that I can live with the knowledge that at the end of this journey, I have a home in heaven. Earth is just preparation for eternity. Heaven is forever. The fourth thing, and we'll get into just some real practical ways and we'll close, is I'm thankful for the power to change. I'm thankful for the power to change. I'm so glad that I am not the person I used to be and I'm so glad that I'm not the person I'm going to be. That God is working in my life every day and he's challenging me and stretching me and growing me and developing me to become a little bit more like Jesus Christ. And I hope if you'll stop and think about it that you'll be thankful for that too. I dare say that for many of you in, in this room or watching online right now, if, if you'll think about your life over the long haul, if you've been walking with Jesus for any period of time or not, you don't even realize some of the subtle changes that have happened since you came to Christ. 
Some of them are so simple, so subtle that you don't realize it until something happens that, that years ago, months ago, moments ago would have created a crisis and now it's just water off a duck's back. Now you're able to take it uh, and deal with it and, and roll through it. Take the punches and, 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 and just keep going in life and you find yourself going, man, I remember how I used to react or overreact. I know how I used to be. Somewhere along the way, God brought a change into my heart so I'm able to deal with these things in my life with grace because I have his grace at work in my life. Anybody thankful for that? You need to know that when God sees you, what he sees is a lump of clay. But he sees the potential of what that lump of clay can become. What he sees in you is a diamond in the rough. And he sees what that diamond can become. The moment you commit your life to him, you don't just get your ticket stamped for heaven. You get his personal development plan attached to your life. He starts chipping away at the junk in your life that doesn't line up with the image of Christ. Was it Michelangelo that used to say about sculpting something? He would look at a block of marble and he would see a statue. And his whole job was just to chip away the stuff that didn't fit the statue. Well, that's what Jesus is doing in your life right now. He's just chipping away the stuff that doesn't look like Jesus. And he's taking you on this journey to become more and more and more like him. Now, don't misunderstand me. God loves you just the way you are. You don't have to clean all this stuff up before you come to him. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much for you to stay the way you are. He wants to help you grow and be better. And I'm so thankful for that. I hope you are too. 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. I wish we had time this morning to just have you come up and tell your story because I talk to you. Pastor Andy talks to you. Others on this team talk to you and we hear your stories and we know that God's handiwork is at work in this place. Again, the change is gradual sometimes, so gradual we don't even notice it till we start telling our story or paying attention. But hear me, guys, we ought to be thankful to the bottom of our hearts that we serve a God who will help us change, grow, get better, get stronger, get more like Christ. In fact, that's, that's what the bridge is all about. If you're new here and you're trying to figure out about this church, well, you know, we tend to evaluate a church on the basis of, of the music styles and the dress codes and whether people were friendly or not and, and whether the preacher is good looking. We got that one done, obviously. Uh, I don't know why you're laughing, but okay. <laughs> but we tend to evaluate on those kinds of basis. But, but I want, hope you'll go deeper than that in looking for a church if that's what you're looking for and understand that the bridge is, I call it a life development church. Just as God, we are committed to accepting you just the way you are. We love you just the way you are. But we want to help you grow. We want to help you get developed. Our business slogan could be God and Sons and Daughters Incorporated. We're in the life-changing business. That can, in fact, maybe a vision statement for a church could be something like, I don't know, changing lives that change the world. Could that be a, a meaningful vision for a church? I think maybe it could be for ours. Bottom line, what you want to hear is Jesus has the power to change your life. 
and I've watched it over the years. I've watched wife abusers become loving husbands. I've watched street addicts become responsible citizens. I've seen homeless people get restored to their family and become responsible parts of the society and the culture. I've watched marriages come back together that were broken. I've watched Jesus restore finances and health and give hope. I've seen it all happen. He does it all the time. I've, turned him, I've seen him turn selfish, arrogant, lonely people into loving, humble, selfless people. See him do it all the time. That's something I'm thankful for. So this week, would you try to find some time? I mean, if you, you can't remember everything I said, my sermons are like manna from heaven. They, they come fresh every time and they rot after 24 hours and they're gone. I mean, I get that, I know. Uh, pull up the notes from the Bridge NC app and just remind yourself of these four things. Sometime during this week, during your quiet time in the morning, during a brief time in the afternoon when you're sitting at a red light, I don't know, uh, take a few minutes this week and just... Express thanks to him for his grace, for his plans for your life, for your hope of eternity, and for the fact that change is still coming day by day by day, as long as you have breath. That said, those that know me know that, that, that one of my pet peeves is to hear a preacher tell me what I ought to do and not tell me how to do it. So let's take just a minute as we bring this home and do the YBHs, the yes but hows. How do we do that? I think there are four ways to do that too, and I just want to walk through these quickly. The first way you can give is uh, thanks to God is the way we did it this morning, and that is to give thanks through praise. Psalm 147, verse 7, sing out your thanks to the Lord, sing praises to our God. Nothing brings you more quickly into the presence of God than praise, even if you're what I called a few weeks ago a prison singer, where you're behind a few bars and you can't find the key. Or you have a voice that needs cultivating, which means to, needs to be plowed under. I mean, maybe you got one of those voices. God, I got a million of them. Uh, but God loves your voice. He loves to hear your voice. So sing to him. Christianity is a singing faith. It is. And so sing. We may not give you a microphone on this stage, but that doesn't mean you can't sing or shouldn't sing. Just sing in the shower. Sing in the car. Sing in your office if nobody gets mad at you. Sing on the golf course. Sing while you're washing dishes. Sing praise to God. Sing over your kids while you're putting them to bed. They don't care if you can carry a tune or not. Sing over them. Sing to God when you get up in the morning. Christianity is a singing faith, and God inhabits the praises of his people. So sing. Did you know that there are more songs written about Jesus than every other topic on the planet through all of history? Do the research. You'll find out it's true. Why? Because he's worthy of our praise. In fact, Jesus said, if you won't praise me, the rocks will do the praising and I refuse to let creation be the only one that's praising God while I'm still around. The second practical way is to give thanks through serving. 
service becomes an act of worship. It becomes an act of thanksgiving. We sing with our lips, somebody said. We serve with our lives. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Since we have a kingdom, nothing can destroy. Let us please God by serving him with thankful, thankful hearts. In other words, don't just serve out of duty and obligation and, and a chore or drudgery. It's a privilege, and your motive for serving becomes an opportunity to give thanks to God for all that he's done to serve you for all the people of God are doing to serve you and for the gifts that he's given you that you want to give back. And I'm just going to be honest with you and we'll move on. One of the stress points for our church, and frankly, most churches that I know of as we've continued to deal with the pandemic and COVID and, and all that stuff, as we're in the rebuilding season in the life of our church, I've talked to pastors all across the country and they're in the same place where we're not where we were in terms of attendance, uh, but we're not where we were in terms of people volunteering in areas of ministry either. Somebody asked me just yesterday, when are we going back to two services? And I said, well, you know, as long as we've got chairs for one service, we'll stay in one service. I'd love to go back to two, but quite frankly, the big catch point is volunteers and bridge kids. Being able to staff two services, that's a huge part of it. And so as you consider the gifts and callings on your life, consider service as an act of giving thanks to God. Step up and serve. I believe, I've said it before, that we're in a Gideon's army season. And during this season, yeah, there's been, there's been some paring down for whatever reason. But I believe that we'll rally together and we're going to do more for the kingdom of God in the days ahead than we ever have before until he comes. The third practical way that you can give thanks is through your generosity. Psalm 50 verse 14, give an offering to show thanks to God. Give God what he promised. That simply says to me that thanks and giving always go together. In fact, I, I just make a suggestion to you. Uh, it's a practice that Kim and I have done for many, many years. Uh, when it gets to between Thanksgiving and Christmas, one of the things we do in the end of November into early December is we begin to review our generosity. We go back and take a look at what we've given throughout the year. Of course, our tithe has always been the baseline, the foundation for our giving a plan, and, and we make sure that we've been up to date. There have been a few years I've looked at it and realized that I had a, a blessing that year, and I got behind on my tithe or I got a raise and didn't raise my tithe and so I'm playing catch up on that in other cases that's just coming down to the end of the year and I haven't blessed in some areas that I wanted to or that we felt called to and so we did an evaluation and sometimes wrote big checks I mean so you start to ask questions like what does my giving say to me about me I mean what is the amount that I give uh, compared to the amount that I keep say about my priorities is my giving stretching my faith or am I staying within my comfort zone? Does my giving demonstrate that I'm focused more on laying treasures up on the other side or I'm focused more on accumulating material things? In light of Jesus' sacrifice, does my giving demonstrate sacrifice? I mean, those are just the questions that I kind of walk through. You can create your own list of questions, but here's an opportunity to stop and say, does my giving demonstrate thanks? Because the scriptures say that's one of the most tangible ways to give thanks to God through your generosity. It's one of the things that I love about the Building for the Generations campaign that we've been in for the last few weeks. I can't tell you the number of times I've said, because I've said it every time I've had the opportunity, this is not a fundraising campaign. 
and it's confused some people. Well, of course, it's a fundraising campaign. You're trying to raise some money, aren't you, to do ministry? Well, it, yeah, we, we hope that we'll raise some funds. Of course we do. Commitments have come in. I'm not going to tell you the amount yet because they're still coming in. We're going to wait till we get the tally before we come and tell you, but it's exciting. Okay, it's exciting. But at the end of the day, it's not about raising money. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He'll provide the money. What's it about? It's about uniting our hearts around God's purposes. When we come together in agreement, the scriptures say, the Holy Spirit shows up and makes the difference. But for you, for each of us individually, it's an opportunity in a very tangible way to give thanks to God for what he has done for us. And a byproduct of that is we get to bless the emerging generations around us until he comes. Deuteronomy 16 is a passage you may or may not be familiar with, uh, but it's an important one, particularly in this season. Verse 10, celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord your God by giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. That simply says to me, 400 years ago, the pilgrims set aside a day they called Thanksgiving, but 3,000 years ago, God set aside a, a festival he called the festival of weeks and the, it had the same purpose. Everybody was asked to bring an offering as a way of giving thanks to God for their blessings, and that's what's been going on. I'll close the fourth way you can do it practically. This may be the, the biggest challenge for some of you, but I think it's huge, and that is give thanks through sharing good news. You're going to have an opportunity this week to interact with people that don't know Jesus. It may be a family member who's come for Thanksgiving dinner. It may be a grocery store clerk that, that is helping you find whatever it is you're looking for, this obscure item you need for your meal. It may be somebody at a gas station. It may be a restaurant that you attend. Maybe it's your Uncle Joe that everybody's secretly hoping won't come, but he shows up because <laughs> he always acts out. What, whoever it is, this week is going to give you an opportunity, if your antenna's out and you're paying attention, it's going to give you an opportunity to live your faith contagiously. I don't know of anything that would show gratitude for grace more clearly than for you to share the good news with somebody who needs Jesus. So during this week, demonstrate thankfulness by sharing Christ. Isaiah 12, 4 says simply, thank the Lord, praise his name. What does it say? Read it with me. One, two, three, go. Tell the world about his wondrous love and how mighty he is. Guys, we got the greatest news on the planet. If we had a cure for cancer, we'd call a press conference. The good news is the darker the world gets, the brighter our light shines. Frankly, your light ain't got to be all that bright to shine. But here's an opportunity. And I'm not saying get your arguments together, and I'm not saying get your, your Roman road to salvation laid down and get the scriptures memorized. I'm just saying be prepared to say, you know, this is who I was, and then I met Jesus, and this is what's changing, and I'm so thankful for what he's doing in my life. I bet he wants to do that in your life too. Never underestimate the power of a real, genuine, personal story. So pray. Pray for the opportunity. Pray for the courage to take it when it comes. 
I'll close with this simple question. What is your Thanksgiving going to look like that's different from the world's Thanksgiving? I mean, we're all going to eat turkey and mashed potatoes or something. We're all going to eat too much and, you know, celebrate a lot. And a lot of you are on the road. Some of you are already traveling. Some of you are taking off today, tomorrow. Others are coming in for business. We're all going to do that stuff. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, how is your Thanksgiving going to be different? I suggest that you offer him thanks in very practical kinds of ways, through praise, through service, through giving, and through sharing the good news of Jesus Christ wherever the opportunity presents itself. You might be amazed at how thankful your heart becomes. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for loving us when we get it right and when we get it wrong. Thank you when we stretch out of our comfort zones and thank you when we don't because you love us both ways. But I do pray in the quietness of this moment that each of us would reflect on the week that's before us. Consider the opportunities that we have to remember your gift of grace to remember the opportunity for a fulfilling life in Christ, for the hope that comes that our eternity is established in a relationship with you. Thankful that we can accomplish more than we ever dared to dream with our grasp because you are at the heart of our lives. In Jesus' name.